Well, a cardia, Shaw, Jerry Adams, a rich, August Tassolum Gumsa, Gobel Shevsha, Gumoy. Tan Covet, Ogumsa Fos, Octame Nisvar, Ninme Ray Fos, but Veme Agiri and Shin, Riverwad, Tassola Gumsa. So, this Covet. Carry on has me a bit snookered at the moment. No way as serious as others that I have seen or others who have gone before us. Thanks to the uh, the care of our health workers and also the vaccines and boosters and all of that. So hopefully I'll be out and about before too long. And as usual, I pass my time by... Uh, Reflecting on the political ongoings and other ongoings or goings on. Uh, not least uh, a curious little unionist tweet. Uh, that is a tweet from a unionist Twitter account, which asked of the DUP, how many different ways can the DUP tell us we must vote DUP, no matter how incompetent or corrupt they have been. I thought that was a good enough question. And it followed Geoffrey Donaldson's claim that this election is the most important in a generation for unionists. Now, every election is the most important election for all of us until the next election, but no matter about that, he, he warned Sinn Féin will push for a border poll unless the DUP wins in May. Now, of course he knows that whatever the outcome, win, lose or draw, Sinn Féin's efforts to secure the Unity referendum as set out in the Good Friday Agreement, that will continue. That's what we believe in. That's what the Good Friday Agreement provides for. And as a Irish Republican Party, our objective is to end the union with Britain and to create a new agreed Ireland. It's still beyond me how anyone would want someone from any other country to govern us when we can do that for ourselves and will do so in our own best interests. So what we want to do is to end the union and create a new and agreed Ireland. And the shape of that new Ireland, the form of it, will be a matter for the people to decide democratically, peacefully and respectfully. And Geoffrey knows this too, and I'm sure that he will commit himself to accepting the outcome of that referendum, no matter what way it goes. However, he does know that the DUP is facing a significant electoral challenge in this assembly election. So he's, he's trying to unite a disunited party. Now, unionists come at disunity differently from Republicans. Uh, unionists generally still continue to cling together no matter how much they may be opposed to each, each other, whereas Republicans tend to go off and split and all of that. And I've often thought that uh, we could learn a wee bit about how to deport ourselves on issues of disagreement. We could learn a wee bit from the unionists, but however, that's another story. 
So Jeffrey has this disunited party, even though, as I've said, they may see disunity as slightly different from the way others might. But he has to motivate the unionist electorate. And I'm not in any position to know, you know, how, how, how deeply ingrained the annoyance of some unionist is with the DUP leadership. But some, some of the unionist electorate have indicated that it's fed up with unionist politics. That it's not minded to vote for the DUP or to transfer to the DUP. So what's Jeffrey do? He does what unions have done from unionism was invented. The oldest trick in the playbook, the orange card. And that means mobilising the unionist vote through fear. To scare the voters into believing that the Republican bogeyman means to destroy their way of life. To claim that only by uniting behind whatever unionist party is dominant at any given time used to be the Unionist Party, the Vanguard, the DUP, the TUV, the PUP. Only by doing that can they hope to protect the Unionist status quo and emerge triumphant. All of their leaders have done it, from Carson to Brookborough, from Craig to Paisley. Arlene Foster's crocodile moment in 2017 was part of this ethos. But this time there appears to be a subtle change. The DUP staggered from one little crisis to another little crisis. Questions are increasingly being asked about its negative role in the Brexit shambles. Its support for Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, when everybody around them knew, and they knew, I'm sure, that he's entirely untrustworthy. The DUP's rejection of a protocol Johnson negotiated with their support. A protocol, and perfectly what may be, that is protecting jobs and businesses. And contrary to all the efforts of some of the unionist leaders and others to whip up public opposition to the protocol, a recent opinion poll revealed that this is not the most important issue for the Protestant unionist loyalist electorate. And then on top of all this, the Court of Appeal definitively threw out unionist efforts to have the protocol overturned. Now, the constitutional issue is hugely important, but so too is the cost of living crisis, and sometimes these two things congeal. Hex and energy and electricity, oil and food, a war in Europe, these also are issues that matter, and they're the opposite side of the one coin. The DUP's response has been to crush the executive, to refuse to take the steps needed to free three hundred million pounds to help people who need the help, potential supports for folks out there. They've opposed integrated education, marriage equality, women's health rights, Act Nagilga, and much, much more. At the same time, many more are appalled, but not perhaps entirely surprised by the DUP's refusal to accept the democratic outcome of the election. Should Michelle O'Neill emerge as the leader of the largest party, will the Democratic Unionist Party accept her election as First Minister? So this will be Geoffrey Donaldson's big moment. Democracy, DUP style, 
means only accepting an outcome they want, not what the electorate voted for. Brexit is a very good example of that. Last week, Jeffrey unveiled the DUP's 2022 Assembly election slogan for May the 5th, moving forward together. But he doesn't tell us who he's planning to move forward with. Is it their executive partners in government? Or is it just a message for unionism? You know, to have a, an incredible election slogan, that election slogan has to be credible. So, moving forward together, who with? With the UUP, the PUP, Alliance, the SDLP, the Greens, Sinn Féin, the English Tories, the DUP. Okay, okay, I give up. However, Jeffrey did make one salient point. This election will be the most important of recent years. And that means making sure you're registered to vote. You have until the 14th of April to register. And if for any reason you can't get to the polling station on May the 5th, apply now for a postal or a proxy vote. You can get that up until the 12th of April. So register to vote up until the 14th and register for a postal or proxy vote up until April the 12th. And we'll see how it all turns out. What else has been happening? Well, a few weeks ago, almost 200 Gaelgory from across the north gathered in the Belfast City Hall to celebrate 12 years of Kishta Investiacta Nagilga. This is the Irish language investment fund that was established following a particularly fraught negotiation at Hillsborough in early 2010 that centred on the main on the transfer of policing and justice powers to the executive and the assembly. <coughs> and it was one of those occasions when the British government's failure to honour previous commitments and the DUP's opposition to these commitments brought the Good Friday Agreement institutions to the point of permanent collapse. And one of the issues that focused us was the lack of any progress on Act Nagilga, which had been promised in the St Andrews Agreement in October 2006. So the Sinn Féin negotiating team went into the discussions determined to challenge the British and Irish governments on this. And I recall very, very clearly that neither the Taoiseach, then Brian Cowan, or the British Prime Minister, then Gordon Brown, even mentioned the Irish language in their remarks. So after a bit of headbutting and arm wrestling, we eventually did get them to focus into this uh, issue. And we secured 20 million, not a lot in the scheme of things, 20 million uh, pounds sterling to be divided between the Irish Language Broadcast Fund and 8 million for the funding of Irish language capital projects. And this, apart from all the other challenges facing Gilgory, this uh, lack of investment for capital projects was something which had been pinpointed. And the necessity to get resources and facilities available as is their entitlement to the growing Irish language section of our people. 
So in case that was set up to sustain and assist the development of Irish language communities, to provide financial support and fund capital projects, which would then create jobs and develop cultural hubs. And in the years since then, it has succeeded along with its partners in providing £20 million for some 30 projects. The evening in City Hall was very enjoyable, and Keisha made some presentations. And I was honoured to be the recipient of one of those, so Gouramila Mai Ogov. And it was good to reflect on the progress which has been made. Thousands of our young girls have been taught through the medium of Irish and are making use of facilities provided by Ankeista and their partners. But much more progress is needed, not least on the provision of Act Nagilga. The St Andrews Agreement was 16 years ago. It was agreed at the Hillsborough negotiations in 2010 that progress would be made. It was an integral part of the new decade, new approach deal hammered out in January 2020. And since last summer, the British government has set several dates for it to move the legislation in the British Parliament, legislation which is already prepared. In recent months, we were told repeatedly that this would be done before the Assembly dissolved for the May elections. And I, for one, have to confess that I never believed that. So the Assembly has now dissolved. Will there be an Act Nagelia? Yes, certainly. The question, once again, is only when. It isn't a question of if. So we need to press ahead. We need to keep pushing, not just the British government, but the Irish government and our allies uh, throughout the diaspora. But, you know, we all know this British government, even more so than its predecessors, is not known for keeping its word. Just ask the DUP. So no great surprises there. However, let's continue to demand that they bring in Act Nagilga and to argue for and to lobby and to campaign for the right to equality of treatment and party of esteem for Irish speakers. But let's also do all the other things that have been done in small classes in Rangana and big classes and cultural hubs and cultural centres and the Gaeltacht areas outside the Gaeltacht areas and small associations, the work of getting on <coughs> with using the Irish language, not least in the Irish medium sector. So well done to you all. Goramila Moy Ogov Gullier. So, I've also been keeping an eye on the uh, the alternative plan for the development of Moor Street, which has been prepared by the Moor Street Preservation Trust. And, and that plan, including a model, has been an exhibition in Cork. And it's all part of the effort to save this hugely important historic area from developers who plan to destroy much of it. And the exhibition opened up in Cork in the uh, Nano Nagel Centre on March the 12th. It'll finish up there on March the 26th. And then it's coming to Belfast. So the exhibition will be officially launched on March the 30th at Aras Canila. 
and then it will be in public display in the Kennedy Centre on February Gomaleskill on Friday, April the 1st and Saturday, April the 2nd. At the same time, the Moore Street Preservation Trust will sell raffle tickets to raise much-needed funding for the Moore Street campaign. And the prize is one of the iconic Hoth rifles smuggled into Ireland in 1914 and which were later used in the Easter Rising of 1916. <coughs> the Moser rifle is one of 900 that were landed at Hoth Harbour in July 1914 and the shipment was brought to Ireland on board the yacht Asgard, skippered by Erskine Childers, Molly Childers, Roger Casement, Alice Green and Mary Spring Rice. Among those who were at Hoth were hundreds of volunteers, the Countess Markovich, members of Nafina Erin, and Thomas MacDonagh, one of the signatories of the 1916 proclamation. And he carried the rifles into Dublin in handcarts and by bicycle and car. The Moor Street Preservation Trust is supported by relatives of the signatories to the proclamation and is committed to preserving the Moor Street Battlefield site. There are lots of other groups involved in this very, very worthy cause, and I commend them all. So you too should be part of the campaign. Come along to the Kennedy Centre on the 1st and 2nd of April and look at the model for the redevelopment of that Moor Street battlefield site. Buy a raffle for the Hoth rifle. Just be part of it. Make your stand on this very important issue. And as we face into a Yet another Easter, let's do our bit to make sure that our revolutionary tradition is properly preserved, that we're properly educated about it, that for the benefit of the people of Dublin and the benefit of the people of the entire nation, for tourism, for education, for information, and in honour of the men and women of 1916, let's support the work of the Moore Street Preservation Trust. And so, let me finish up. I thought I would finish up with Woody Guthrie's uh, This Land is Your Land. But Odetta has a very fine version of this. And Woody wrote, wrote this song, I suppose, as his proclamation that working people have the right to ownership of the places in which they live and in which they struggle. In his case, this was the United States of America, but it's a it's a universal song. So let's go with Woody Guthrie's This Land is Your Land and let's get Udetta to give us her version of this fine anthem. Gunyrienta Libsha Slan Libsha. I saw above me that 
that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley I said this land belongs to you and me this land is you 